life. A podcast of the cinema hosted by I. <laughs> <laughs> a girl like I. A girl like I. Alonzo Duralde <laughs> and with Dave White. We're both film critics for The Wrap. I co-host some other podcasts. No. We are married to each other. Right. Welcome. Yes. Hello. Perhaps uh, you're noticing a thing. If you're if you're getting this notification immediately after we post it, mm-hmm. Sunday, it's a Sunday linoleum yes. nights. Now, uh, some of y'all been around a long time. We've been doing this podcast over twelve years now. Yep. And the move was for the first oh, let's Decade just say so. until like the pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This was a Sunday recording. People would tell us they would listen to it on their Monday commutes. Yes. But then the pandemic happened and... Nothing mattered. Commutes were fewer, time ceased to exist, and our Sunday afternoon uh, often got taken up by by the family Zoom. Mm -hmm. The family Zoom has never ended. We're it still is doing still it. Still a Sunday afternoon ritual with the Duraldes. But I have longed <laughs> to return to Sunday recording time of this show. For the sake of my own peace of mind and scheduling uh You love a calendar possibilities. And I decided that we were just gonna make it fit. We we're gonna make it work. We're going to do it. Maybe you don't even commute anymore. But we're uh, yeah, still, we don't know what you're doing. We're going to go back to doing this on We Sunday. don't know your life. Yeah. So um, we know ours, and I wanted to go back to Sunday. We had been going like Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. But then suddenly, maybe there was a Friday. Maybe it was happening on Saturday. Maybe it was happening on Monday. There was no rhyme or reason to when we were able to sit down and do the show. True. This way, we get back on the old schedule, and we just do it. It's appointment podcast. Appointment, appointment work. Not, I mean, y'all can listen anytime you want. Yeah, but maybe you're hearing this years in the future. I need even <laughs> exactly. I need an appointment for my life so that I can think clearly about everything. Doesn't matter if I get out to all the press screenings. I mean, or any, <laughs> or, or any press screenings. <laughs> Um, now that's a, that's a whole separate issue and everyone's heard about it over yes. and over again yes, my dumb yes, hips yes. Uh, that problem's gonna get fixed and I'll be back to you know yes. go-go dancing we all look forward to that on the box tuck a $20 bill in my jock straps <laughs> dressed as one of the Coca-Cola polar bears <laughs> no 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 Shaped like one of the Coca-Cola polar <laughs> Dressed like Winnie the Pooh. There you go. <laughs> Just the red shirt. Um, so, longtime listeners of the show will know that usually around this time of year, we have our annual roundtable episode. Yeah. Where we bring in some of our favorite uh, critical peers to talk about the year just passed. Yes. And... Uh, 
Sundance came along. Sundance happened, and, and we were on vacation in late December and just spaced yeah. on the whole thing. So now that's going to happen, happen in February. February. What day? The twelfth is the plan. That's is the that plan. Currently, the plan. Yeah, February twelfth. We're going to pretend it's twenty twenty two all over again. Yes. With our uh, local film critic pals. Yes. If you've listened to the past, you can probably guess who they are. Yes. We don't want to... Jinx it. We don't want to jinx it because someone might have to bail at the last minute. You never know what's going on. Yeah. In the meantime, today, you and me, Alonzo Duralde, and I, (laughs) Dave White, we're going to talk about our favorite movies of 2022. Yes. We're also going to review a couple new ones. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about our favorites of 2022. Do you have a list in front of you? Oh. I I have a list that I I had to publish. You made a top 10. I don't have a top any. I don't have a top 10. No. No. Uh, So I will, I will zip through mine because mine has, has been out in the world for like a month. I published it a month ago. So, yeah. Uh, But, but yeah, at the wrap I did, um, I, I turned my top 10 list into five double features because it just turned out. That's right. That was a clever idea. Thank you. Well, Billy and, Eichner liked it. Uh, he did. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of films that I, I, that when I, when I came down with my 10, I realized so many of them had these kind of thematic connections or other connections, yeah. you know, and it just, it just made sense. It wasn't, I would never pre-plan this kind of thing. It just occurred organically. So I went with it. So my top 10 for 2022 were, uh, from go, starting at 10 and going down to, to, to number one, Benediction, Bros. I love both of those films for different reasons. Yes. Um, Benediction is heartbreaking. Yes. And, and if it weren't from uh, uh, Terrence Davis. Yeah. It could very easily become the kind of film that Billy Eichner's character in Bros mocks. True. Because it is it is a historical drama about a sad gay. <laughs> but this is from a queer filmmaker. Straight people. <laughs> and this is from a queer filmmaker. And this sad gay was a real person, so he was genuinely sad in real yes, life. Yes, exactly. And and I'm sorry, but that's just the world, the way the world was for gays and in the 20th all century. the queer people and sometimes still quite often can, can be that way. Um, it's beautifully made. All Listen, pick a movie from Terrence Davis. Yeah. You're going to live in a melancholy bath for about two hours and you're going to like it. That's you're going to say thank you. Thanks Thank for the you. bummer, Terrence. Thank Davis. you, sir. Can I have another one? And you know what he'll say to you? I have a whole lot more of these. Yeah. I have a, that's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a gift to the world, this filmmaker. Yeah. Maybe skip the Neon Bible. Do not skip any of them. They're all great. Have you seen the Neon Bible? Yes. Mm. Okay. Yes. All right. Bros is a different kind of gift to the world. It is. <laughs> it's the gift of uh, a funny romantic comedy. Yeah. Which we don't get very often anymore. And not only funny, but I think does it really, you know, I, I always talk about, you know, the, that 
you know, when I talk about like Hallmark movies, the yeah. old, the old inclusive ones was like, it's a black cast, mm-hmm. but the the script is completely you know devoid of any kind of it's culturally unspecific, exactly. Right. And now you have more black writers, black filmmakers making those movies, and they touch upon very sort of specific, either generally cultural or like holiday specific cultural things that ring true. Yes. And Bros is not like somebody took a straight, you know, rom com script and put it through the the you know the the Mad Libs machine right. and changed all the she's to he's or whatever. Um, this is a movie about two people whose fear of commitment is very much rooted in their experience growing up in the homophobic, you know, Western culture yeah, and how that has done a number on them and their capability um, to be intimate and to be their true selves. Uh, and it's also very funny. <laughs> it is also very funny. Uh, and we dig it. Yeah. A lot. Uh, we got the Blu-ray. We saw all the extra thingies. Yeah. Um, those are good, too. Yeah, I thought there'd be more, actually, just because I think <laughs> in a Judd Apatow movie, there's so much stuff that winds up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, what, what what there is is Cherse. <laughs> uh, all right, Con- so continue. my number eight and number seven were All the Beauty and the Bloodshed and Women Talking. I know you haven't seen Women Talking I have yet, still not yet seen Women Talking. You're gonna, we're gonna I do it on the show to. here. We will. Um, but yeah, I, these movies I kind of paired as... Um, you know, women taking on power structures. Uh, in the case of All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, it's a it's a documentary. It's about the artist Nan Golden and her, you know, deciding to use her art world clout to go after institutions who have accepted money and uh, branding rights from the Sackler family who made their money basically creating the opio- opioid crisis in this country. Right. Uh, and, you know, we learned that Golden herself uh, uh, is a recovering addict. And, you know, she adopts some very sort of act up style uh, uh, activist uh, uh, protest uh, uh, you know, procedures to take on this very powerful family who have, you know, sunk a lot of money into the public art sphere in museums and universities. And, uh, and then Women Talking is about these uh, women in a sort of uh, cut-off kind of... Uh, they never say the word Mennonite in the novel. I think it's more specifically Mennonite. But a, a Christian community where, you know, they live off, you know, isolated in, in the rural area. And the, it's very much a patriarchy. But um, there, has been, there have been sexual assaults that they now know have existed. The men are off for the day, like bailing someone out of jail. And so the women gather, you know, representatives of the, all the women in the community gather to decide, you know, do we do nothing? Do we stay and fight? Do we leave? And over the course of those conversations and, and trying to figure out what their options are and, and how they feel about what's been happening, um, you know, there's a just... The movie is on one level, yes, women talking, but there's yeah. so much going on and there's so much power and pain in this film and the performances are so uniformly great, particularly from two actresses whom I've loved forever and who very rarely get this amount of screen time and things to say and do, um, Judith Ivey and Sheila McCarthy. But everybody's great. Uh, you know, uh, Claire Foy and... Um, uh, uh, Rooney Mara and uh, uh, you know Ben Wishaw and it, it, it's an amazing ensemble um, and also Sarah Polly this year wrote a really great book of essays called uh, Run Toward the Danger 
which also deals with issues of sexual assault as well. And I, I highly recommend both the book and the film. Keep going. Uh, okay. Well, I don't know if you, had any, you wanted to well, say about I, All the Beauty. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed is, is so moving and meaningful for me. I, you know, have not experienced personal addiction issues, but I've been a follower, a fan, an adoring acolyte of Nan Golden for 30 years. And, and her work has always meant so much to me. Uh, and it, it fills me with a kind of, you know, gratitude that she's doing all right after all this time and taking on wickedness mm -hmm. and getting the job done. It's so easy and so mundane to feel helpless yeah. when the corporate forces of the world around you are just looking to crush everything in their path in the pursuit of, you know, profits. Um, and to see one person who got a little bit of clout because she's still not a household name. She's yeah. not like she, it's not like people know who she is outside of the art world. I only know her because of you. She got a little bit of clout. And she became a name in a world full of people with too much money. Mm -hmm. And she used it. And she turned tables on them. Now, is it going to stop the opioid crisis? Uh... Probably not, but she is using what she can do in the world where she can do it and getting this little thing done. Yeah. At, at risk to her own livelihood. At, at risk to her own livelihood. Yeah. So, um, but they, they blinked. Yeah. And that's, mm, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. My number six and number five were uh, Apollo 10 and a half, A Space Age Childhood, and EO. Um, which I connect as films that don't readily loan themselves to the question, what's this movie about? Mm -hmm. What happens? <laughs> and that is their only connection. Yeah. But, that, <laughs> but, but I think within that, they're like very rich stories and, yeah. and, and, you know, films that I adored this year. But, you know, there's, there's, there's the, there's the part of your brain that watches a movie and you're analyzing the script and does this make sense and does this pay off and da da da. And then there's ones where it's like, okay, this, we're not doing that. We're doing something else. And these movies are both doing the something else. So Apollo Ten and a Half is the latest Richard Linklater movie. Um, it's a it's a look back at his childhood in Houston, in the suburbs of Houston in the 1960s, in the shadow of the the the, the moon landing, the idea that like science and technology were going to make the world so much better and and fix all of our problems, and about what it's like to grow up, kind of knowing that you know like civil rights in Vietnam are a thing, but it's a thing on television. You don't see it on your day to day basis. You don't encounter it. Oh, and you're a child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it is about like the things that you do encounter as a child on a on a you know and and so yeah, I just I found it very very moving and powerful and funny and and it it, it certainly hit a lot of my memory buttons. I'm a little bit younger than him, but there's a lot of places where our 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 reminiscences of that period kind of overlap. 
Um, and then EO is uh, a film that is that you know has a stated uh, a debt to one of Dave's favorite movies of all time, Opus Hard Balthazar. And it's about a donkey who goes from situation to situation and perseveres. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know, survives really is, yeah. the, is, is the right word because sometimes it's they, good and they, sometimes it's bad. They endured as Faulkner right. would say. Right, What else? Uh, so then my number four and number three are from uh, a, a father and son filmmakers. My number four is Jafar Panahi's No Bears. And my number three is Pana Panahi's directorial debut, Hit the Road. Can we um, can we digress for just a moment? Of course we can. And talk about No Bears, because I went to see it. Oh, yeah, that is one of our new movies this week. This past week. And it is stunning. Why don't you talk about what it's about? Sure. So uh, Jafar Panahi has, of course, been forbidden by the Iranian government to make movies for some time now and has continued to do so. Uh, and very often in his films... Uh, owing to a number of factors, including that you know he's having to do these on the sly, he has become his own leading man as well, often playing, quote-unquote, Jafar Panahi. Right, right. Um, but not. Uh, you know, we, we, we saw... But him, also, yeah. But also, yes. <laughs> so we saw him do this in This Is Not a Film, in Taxi, in Three Faces. And so now in this film... Uh, Jafar Panahi is living in this remote village near the Turkish border. Well, he's visiting to make the film. Right. Yeah. He is, he's, well, he's living there while he's making a film in Turkey. He can't go to Turkey, but he can Zoom and FaceTime with, you know, his assistant director, with the cast members. I was momentarily confused at the beginning uh, because, you know, I see him directing the film remotely. Right. But I don't know where... I realize he's in a little, you know, village outside of the big city, but I don't know what city they're in. I don't know what city the characters of the film he's directing are supposed to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, And they don't immediately tell you. True. But what you see is every woman without a head covering. Yeah. And I kept thinking... I'm sorry, are they in Tehran? <laughs> like, what's happening? And then I realized, oh, they're in Turkey. Okay, yes. and that's why he's on the border. Okay, now I get it. Right. right. Yeah, uh, Yeah. so he's he's making this movie, and it is a movie about people trying to get out of the country. And those actors who are playing those characters in the movie within the movie yes. are themselves... Emigres. Yeah, they both of them have left Iran and live in France. Right. Yeah. And so, and then, you know, meanwhile, the fact that Panahi is so close to the border is drawing attention from authorities. And then he also, because of a photograph that he may or may not have taken, gets caught up in this local conflict about um, this one family that expects this young woman to marry their son, even though she has uh, interests elsewhere. Yeah. Um, And, you know, but even these conflicts are sort of, portrayed in a let's all sit down and have tea and talk about this kind of way even though there's always this sort of undercurrent of threat and of you know of of of, you know demanding things and so this is a movie about life under authoritarianism uh you know as it manifests in sort of the micro and the macro levels yeah so he is i guess accused is the right word of taking a photograph of the young couple Yes. Not the couple everybody wants it to be. Right. But the couple the, the couple wants it to be. Exactly. 
this upsets the balance of life in the village. And as you said, a series of meetings take place in which he is not put on trial exactly, but also not not, not put on trial. Yeah, it, 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 a mob is still a mob even when they're all sitting and having tea. Right. So, yes, what this film is about, you've got two stories going. You've got the story of what's happening in the village and the story of what Jafar Panahi, the character who is also the director, who is also the character, who is, and it's, you know, it's him. Yeah. Um, his own struggles, not just with filmmaking in the film itself, but his life outside of filmmaking in this movie. Um, and then there's this extra element that has not really been a part of the, we'll call it the the meta stage of his career. Because before this is not a film, he was directing some pretty straightforward you know, critiques of life in Iran, but doing so in originally a quite coded way in films like The White Balloon in the 90s. And as time went on, films like The Circle and Crimson Gold Offsides. and Offside started to become sticking points with Iranian censors. They'd be like, no, 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 this one's banned, this one's banned, this one's banned. And they finally got... I guess, fed up with him. Yeah. And that is when they put, placed him under house arrest and told him, you cannot make a film for 20 years. So then he started making movies secretly in his own home, yeah. in his car, um, smuggling them out. This is not a film was smuggled out of Iran in a cake. Yeah, the the the, 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 the flash drive, yeah. basically. Yeah, was smuggled out of Iran in a cake. And it were wound up at the Cannes Film, Film Festival. Festival. Just this past year, after he finished shooting No Bears, yes. He went to one he went to a some Iranian authorities office to protest the arrest of another filmmaker. He was promptly arrested and is now in prison yes. and has been sentenced to prison for 6 years. Currently he is in prison. Yes. I just recently read that the Academy is being lobbied to change its rules about uh, international cinema nominations because mm -hmm. the government of the country chooses. chooses the film. Yeah. Obviously, No Bears will not be the Iranian uh, entry. entry. And... So who knows how that's going to turn out? Um, because honestly, I mean, ultimately the Academy Awards don't matter, but also they could be a bully pulpit in some sure. small way. One thing that has been missing, or rather uh, missing is the wrong word because it implies that he did something that he, he didn't do something that he was, that he should have been doing. Mm -hmm. But for the past five films that he's made in secret, illegally, yeah. what he hasn't really gone into is the self-interrogation that you see happening here. This is a movie about an artist who's determined to keep making his art even though he knows he can't. 
He's determined to stay in his country and not try to leave, even though in the film, the character of Jafar Panahi has an opportunity yes. to step. He's literally standing on the border, right. and he has the opportunity to step over it and go to Turkey and be free to do what he wants to do with his career. And he won't do it. Instead, he stays in this little village knowing that the film could suffer because he's not there in Turkey to finish it. And the actors are starting to like yell at him right. over Zoom. Like, we need you. This story's, this film's going off the rails and we don't know what to do. And it's our story. <laughs> Meanwhile, he has inadvertently caused turmoil in this village. Right. And so that creeping doubt of what is it I'm doing? <laughs> Which under normal circumstances would be like simple artistic self-doubt. Sure. That every writer, musician, actor, anybody who Creator. creates anything lives with. Yeah. But here he is wondering, not only the character, but I also think the Jafar Panahi himself is sort of wondering how he might be implicating others, maybe even endangering other people. Sure. I won't spoil the ending of this film, but bad stuff happens. Yeah. And if he hadn't been in the village, the bad stuff wouldn't have happened. If it weren't for Jafar Panahi's real-life circumstances, he wouldn't need to ask himself these questions right. in a film. So ultimately, the blame lies with the state. But he's exploring that here. Yeah. You know, how, how important is this? How important is it for me to keep making these movies? Now, obviously, what I want is for him to figure out a way to direct a film from prison. I, 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 you know he's working on it. Yeah. He, he can't not be. Yeah. Um, so all of that to say this. This and his son's film, Panapanahi's Hit the Road, yes. are my two favorite films of the year. Mm. Just, and to me, they're inextricably linked because not only is Panapanahi the son of Jafar Panahi, but he made a film about the devastation of what happens to a family when one of them has to leave and the rest of them have to help him. And it's also a movie that is about the border and everything and that it represents. Stylistically, they are absolutely miles apart from each other. And you would think maybe that they wouldn't be, but they completely are. They share a few, uh, you know, familial traits, I guess you could say. Yes. The, the, the film that takes place largely inside a car <laughs> <laughs> is a Jafar Panahi thing. It is now uh, a Panapanahi thing. Uh, I love both of these films and I want people to see them not because they're politically important. I mean, they are that, but they're just important, beautiful films. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, you can't divorce them from, you know, what they're, what they represent in the zeitgeist, but what they represent in the zeitgeist is not the only thing that they bring to the table. And, um, I won't spoil what the title means, but there is a reason. Yes. 
It's a great the, scene. For the title, and it's, a, it's, it's, the more you think about the title after you've seen the film, you realize that it has a, a great significance. Yes. In the idea, regarding the ideas of control and surveillance and authoritarianism. Yeah, authoritarianism, yeah. Uh, and then my number two and number one were Everything Everywhere All at Once and RRR. Mm. And I quoted a tweet from our friend Bibbs, which I thought really captured what, why I find these two movies so exciting. He wrote, every few years, if you're lucky, you get to see a movie that's just so very much movie. Mm. So huge and inventive and exciting, you're surprised only one movie could contain it. Somehow, we've had two already this year. Yeah. RRR and everything everywhere all at once. So yeah, these are like maximalist films. Yeah. But they were so exciting to me and so moving to me because lately maximalism just means superheroes and explosions and you know that kind <laughs> oh, yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And and so to have these movies just completely dazzle me and 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 expand my my thinking about what a movie does and how it moves while also maintaining this genuine emotional core. Uh, yeah. Both these films, you know, uh, were, were the two movies I couldn't stop thinking about in 2022. The Daniels, the Daniels want to be uh, uh, Frank Tashlin. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I think. More power to them. And, and they, but they want to do it in a way that's uh, have a, a lot more uh, farts and butt play, <laughs> and yeah. But I think you could also argue a much more emotional resonance. But than yes, but more, but also more uh, feelings. Yes, and the now I'm blanking on the movie with the with the Harry Potter in it. What was it called? <laughs> oh, uh, Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army Man. The feelings are what sank Swiss Army Man for me. It was infuriating for for me as the film. Uh, I've still never seen it. Like, I don't think you're missing anything. No, that's the thing. Yeah. And, and people keep saying that to me, so I haven't. So even though I absolutely loved Everything Everywhere, I don't feel compelled to check out Swiss Army Man. Everything Everywhere, for me, felt like it finally had the insanity of the turn down for what video <laughs> which is where i first encountered the daniels uh with an amount of heartfelt earnest family story that didn't feel like it overstepped into just maudlin sure. nonsense Adam Sandler doesn't come out and say, family is important. The nonsense was visual. Yeah. The feelings felt right. Um, and, I mean, you know, Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> I can't. I cannot deny the power of Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. yeah. For, for, again, uh, when did I first encounter her? The 90s. Yeah, I think probably and, Super Cop, I think, was the... And, or, no, no, is she in Peking Opera Blues or mm, no? Definitely Super Cop. Yeah. You're going to make me go back and pull up all the information. <laughs> my first encounter with her was... And my first multiple encounters with Michelle Yeoh was, you know, a person who will 
uh, kick you in the face while flying through the air. Right. So she's, you know, a martial arts legend. And now we're getting to see this whole other uh, capacity from her. And I, I just, you know, she is here to be adored. Yeah. And that's what you get in Everything Everywhere. And Kihui Kwan, of course. And him too, yes. In fact, his performance is, is maybe the most heartbreaking yeah. uh, in the film. Well, everyone has their moment. Sure. Stephanie, Stephanie Sue, same, yeah. same thing. RRR, uh, I don't know enough about, you know, the cinema of, 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 of India. Uh, I know some. I know the classics, and I know, you know, some of the of the uh, uh, the Bollywood stuff that has yeah. come to the states and made an impact. I went back and watched Bahubali, uh-huh. which are the two uh, film in a, a two part saga from the same director as Roger Muli, and you know you can see this is already in there, but like it's what he's doing in RR is at such another level of yeah. it. Yeah, so I feel like as a as a as a as an American viewer of RRR, I'm not fully understanding everything that I probably need to understand, mm-hmm. but I'm experiencing that excitement. Yes, and that made me very happy. Having said that, when I get my new hips, I would like to see it on a screen, but I would like to be alone. I understand. Because as much as I love the Rocky Horror Picture Show, <laughs> I don't want other movies to be the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right. I don't want to go to the sing-along Sound of Music. I don't need the audience to get up and do the dance for me at the front of the theater. I don't need, uh, you know, I don't need audience pandemonium around me. If it's happening and it's organic and this has become entirely organic, yeah, then I get it. But I'm that guy that wants everyone else to be quiet. <laughs> well, and I rarely get it, and I'm not a curmudgeon to the point where I'll start yelling at people or scolding people. But I just know what I want. Maybe it'll play like at the Academy Museum or somewhere. Oh, you think movie. you think people are gonna not? Go wild at the Academy Museum. Okay, maybe. No, they're going to dance in the aisles. And that is, again, that is the organic life of this film right now. Right. I would like to go to a Tuesday morning, 10 a.m. <laughs> matinee where there there might still be folks who are going to do that, but maybe maybe they save all of their energy for a big nighttime show sure. with all their friends. Well, I want that for you because I do want you to see it projected <laughs> and in the original uh, Telugu at some point. Yeah. Uh, I have a bunch of runners up, but I'll save them until you go through yours. All right. So I'm just going to move fast through this because here's what, here's what my plan is. I'm going to post this entire list on Patreon. Okay. So that everybody can look at, I'm going to make it a look at it. I'm going to make it a public Post. 
Say, and while you're on Patreon, if you're not already a subscriber, we're offering free episodes that are normally subscriber only of all of our different shows uh, throughout the month of January. So you can check those out there. And then you can also become a subscriber yourself if you want at patreon.com. And they're going to stay up there for free. Yes. They're not going to be locked down after January. So if you're hearing this in February, they are still there. Yes. Um, The uh, other thing is that... um, you know, if you are a subscriber already on Patreon and you get your notification, uh, you should also know that you won't be notified about the stuff that's coming for free. I don't think. I don't know. I don't. Know I how think it if works. you're a Patreon subscriber, you get notified about everything that gets posted on the page. But not if it's or not. not if it's like let's say you're at the four dollar level, yeah. you don't get notified about linoleum knife and fork. Well, you do when, and it's, so, when it's public, you do. Not like, maybe. Maybe yeah, that happens. Yeah. Uh, I, y'all will have to explain this to me. <laughs> anyway. Uh, You'll post this list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all going to be posted. So I'm going to move pretty quickly through it because every single one of these films that I will list is a film that we have reviewed on this podcast at some point during 2022. So if, it, if you hear a title you don't know, maybe it's an episode you missed you can go back and click on it, enter it into the, you know, type it into the search of Patreon and it will pop up. Yes. Uh, and you can listen to that episode. So, just last week, we reviewed The Cathedral. Now, you have still not seen this. Correct. I have. It is a story of a young boy in the uh, uh, 90s in Long Island who grows up watching his family sort of slowly fall apart, eating themselves alive, really, in a way, out of just bitterness and resentment and and just trouble. And it's great. Right. Uh, EO, like you said, all the beauty and bloodshed. Uh, A big fan of Pearl. Yeah. Really dug Pearl. Um, Then After Sun, Mm -hmm. uh, which I... Still keep thinking about this is haunting sort of story of uh, a father and a daughter who are together and yet not together and moving apart and maybe not coming back together after all in the end. And it's, you know, incredibly, uh, incredibly moving. Yeah. Spirited. Yeah. I dug Spirited. The more I think about it, the more I like it. Uh, Frederick Wiseman's A Couple, Mm -hmm. which is one of his two narrative uh, films. Right. Causeway with Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, I loved that a lot. The two Claire Denis films, uh, Mm. Stars at Noon and The The Other Side of the Blade or something. Other Side of the Blade. Weird, the Al Yankovic story, I yeah. dug a lot. I liked Please, Baby, Please. Yes. Uh, the documentary, All That Breathes. Mm-hmm. Till. Mm-hmm. Armageddon Time. Yes. One of my very favorite films of the year. Um, again, it's about a young boy growing <laughs> up, this time in the 80s. Uh, and unlike The Fablemans, which I think has moments and that I enjoyed. Sure. Armageddon time in the cathedral give you something 
very deep and darker than what you'd get, I think, uh, from a typical, you know, this was my childhood and right. Apollo 10 and a half. It's as, not as interested in being that movie. Fun as it is, is not that movie at all. No. So, um, I uh, liked Wendell and Wilde. Okay. I had a good time at Triangle of Sadness, even though I don't think it's a very good movie. I just wanted to shout out to sure. the good time I had at Triangle of Sadness. Same goes for Tar. I had a good time yep. watching Tar. I don't think it's great. Uh, in fact, it might not even be good, but like... <laughs> but you have to see it. But I had a good time because, yeah. you know, I mean, who would win in a fight? Megan or Lydia Tar, Or Pearl. Let's find out. Or Pearl. Or the mom and Barbarian, <laughs> which is another one that I... Yes. Barbarian um, actually frightened me. I You're a tough nut. I'm a, I'm a tough one on horror movies. They don't usually make me afraid. And Barbarian pushed all my buttons. Now, I have not yet seen the new Skinamarink that people are talking about. Yeah, nor have I. Uh, but I want to, and it's still up here at the Sunset Five, so yeah. I'm going to try to make it out this week if my legs will cooperate. Uh, God's Country. Yes. I liked quite a bit. Stars uh, Tandy Way Newton Newton. uh, from director Julian Higgins. Higgins. First assistant director, friend of neighbor Gary Cotting. Yes. I voted for Tandy Way Newton in the actress category in in both of my uh, critics awards this year. But I, I think that's just a movie that kind of fell between the cracks, unfortunately. I hope people discover it. Uh. Easily confused with God's Country, God's Creatures, starring mm-hmm. yes. Emily Watson and Paul Mescal, who also is great. the father in After Sun. Um, the Hellraiser reboot. I mm. really liked the Hellraiser reboot. Uh, you mentioned Bros. I was a fan of Moon Age Daydream. Okay. Uh, Basically, an experimental film <laughs> that wound up in multiplexes, and I approve of that. Although, if you go into Moon Age Daydream and you don't know much about David Bowie, you will leave the film not knowing much about I David was Bowie. Say, that will that will remain. Yeah, it's a it's a movie meant to be experienced, not studied. It's more like a laser light show than a documentary. Yeah. Um, you and I both loved Confess Fletch. Yes. <laughs> and, and we especially loved Marsha Gay Harden, Harden in Confess <laughs> Fletch. Um, you did not like, but I did like Don't Worry Darling. Okay. Although, again, I let me be clear right here. I'm giving you all a list of films I liked, and I'll pick out the ones that I really loved and consider my favorites. Don't Worry Darling, I like. Okay. As uh, very much like The Woman King, Orphan First Kill, Prey. I loved Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Mm-hmm. It is mean. Yes. <laughs> bodies, Bodies, Bodies is mean. And it has a very sharp, mean point. It is a very zeitgeist. It's feeling. very much a film of right now. And we need films of right now. Right now. Right now. Um, from Where They Stood. Do you remember this? It's a documentary. Is this the concentration camp yes. photos? Yes. People recreating 
archivists and and sort of you know investigators piecing together information from photographs that prisoners in Nazi concentration camps took on the sly secretly to try to get information out to the world if possible. Yeah. And of course they couldn't, but now we see what the photos they took. It's pretty devastating, but it's also very, very quiet. And so I highly recommend that. Uh, I loved Nope, and I'm not going to apologize to you for that. Fine. I'm in the minority, I think, on that one, but I, I whatever. Um, the Spanish movie Official Competition was a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. You remember that? It was. I do. Um, the Best Families? Uh, yes. Thank you for mentioning that. I was going to bring it up. Uh, Javier Fuentes Leon's film from Peru. It is on HBO Max. A wonderful dark comedy. Class satire. Yeah. That I think is more effective than so many of the class satires that True. we've seen yeah. it, this year. It's a like, lot subtler than Triangle of Sadness. It's a lot more subtle than Triangle of Sadness. Uh, better than the menu. Better than the menu. Uh, we'll get to talking about the menu here if we have time today. If we don't, we'll do it next week. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much, I don't know if we're going to run out of time before we have to bail and go to <laughs> family zoom, but uh, whatever we miss yeah. reviewing this week, uh, we'll pick up next week. Uh, the black phone very much oh, yeah. like okay. barbarian, the black phone felt just rattling and frightening to me. There is, a level of child performance in the black phone that really communicates the terror that can come from being a kid who feels helpless mm. in any number of situations. Uh, the Italian drama Akiara, mm, okay. um, the documentary Futura, okay. where they asked a bunch of kids in Italy what they thought the future was going to be. Um, that's, an eye-opening film. I like that Adam Sandler basketball movie, Hustle. Hustle. Yes, not bad at all. No, I would. I would say check that one out Absolutely. if you if you feel like you can. It's a really good sports movie. Yeah, uh, Doug Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. Mm -hmm. I really liked Fire Island. Yes, it was very funny. Uh, the Italian film Il Buco, mm -hmm. about a hole in the ground. <laughs> It's about a hole in the ground. And uh, there's almost no speaking <laughs> in it. And I, and I really want to see uh, the one that Manola put on her list, Expedition Content, that is still not available mm. to be streamed. It's not on DVD yet. It's one of those movies that plays like, you know, one night in a museum. Right. <clears throat> But she put it on her top ten list, you know, the antics of the woke left. <laughs> God, that was the best. That was the best. Uh, uh, the Hawaii documentary, Cane Fire. Yes. Which you and I both really dug. Mm -hmm. I watched Top Gun Maverick on TV. <laughs> you should not watch Top Gun Maverick on TV. You should no. watch it in a movie theater. I did not see it in a movie theater. It's too long. 
for me to go see in a movie theater. But as I watched it on TV, I thought, wow, this is going to look real cool in a movie theater if I ever see it in a movie theater someday. It did look real cool in a movie theater. I can't believe the level of praise this movie has gotten, up to and including a Director's Guild nomination. Okay. Hey. Uh, Pleasure. Yep. A film about a young uh, Swedish woman who comes to the United States to become a famous porn star. Yes. And the the world that she encounters yes. when she gets here. Um, the Tale of King Crab, a film that I saw, and I, my friend Brian and I, uh, our our friend Brian and I went to see it, and the theater was almost empty. I don't know anyone else <laughs> who saw it, and I still keep thinking about it because. I'll tell you something. It is so strange as to defy description in a short little synopsis. I want to see it again. I want you to watch it with me. It's one of the more deeply odd films that I have seen this year. It's an Italian... What's the right word for it? Myth? <laughs> Mystery? I didn't see it, so I don't know. Analogy? <laughs> Metaphor? Um, but I encourage... Fable. A, a fable? Yeah, that's probably it. I encourage everybody with a taste for a film that when you're finished watching it, you go, hmm, what did I just watch? That's... I'm never happier than when I can leave a theater going, I need to think about this for about a week or maybe even 12 months <laughs> and then see it again. In front of your face, one of many Hong Sang-soo films that came out this year about two sisters right. and the few days they spend together. Yes. And the joy of life. Yeah. It is, In Front of Your Face is one of my favorite films. Definitely one of my very favorites of the year. Uh, Happening, the French film mm -hmm. about a young woman who needs an abortion and cannot get one. In the 60s. Uh, Petite Maman. Now, I know that this was on film critics' list for 2021. Yeah, it was but on But it mine. did not open in the United States until 2022. Other than for a, an academy run yeah. in December in the big cities. So it falls into a gray area, really, for me. And it, these kinds of films yeah, always Manolo do. Manolo put it on her list this year. I put it on my 2021 list because I had seen it. Uh, I reviewed it remotely out of the Berlin Film Festival. It is a beautiful, beautiful film about childhood. Yes. And about parenting. Yes. And I encourage everybody, oh, so even the good. childless, and that is what I am, uh, to see it. Uh, I really dug The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved The Northman because yep. it was just so loud. <laughs> so loud and gory and violent and just metal. I finally got to see Memoria in a movie theater mm. this year. So it's one of my favorites of 2021 and 2022. <laughs> Great Freedom, starring Franz mm -hmm. Rogowski. I need to see that. German film about what happened to 
uh, specifically queer people after World War II in Germany when because they were liberated from the concentration camps and, and then yes. put directly back into jail because they were still considered violators of the law. Right. Uh, paragraph paragraph 175. 175, which outlawed homosexuality. So uh, it is a story of a man who finds that in the course of his life, going in and out of prisons for being gay, he may just be more comfortable in prison. Which is a paradox, but, you know, life is full of those. Indeed. Uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I liked Jackass Forever. Of course. I liked Deep Water. <laughs> yes! With Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. <laughs> Erotic thriller. Mm-hmm. Uh, Intragalde. Yep. A Romanian... Comedy, comedy, in that <laughs> you Romanian always put a que- you always put a question mark after the word comedy <laughs> when you see it, when you're talking about a Romanian film. The kind of comedy where you laugh but dust comes out. <laughs> <laughs> it's about uh, do-gooders who get stuck in the frozen mud. Yes, turning red. Yep, big fan of that uh, animated film. Uh, I loved the quiet of After Yang. Mm-hmm. I also loved The Quiet of the Pink Cloud. Yes. Which is a strange, unsettling film that was made before the pandemic about people who are... Forced to stay in their homes. Forced to live in their homes. To uh, shelter in place, really. Because some people are not at home. Yeah. Forever. Uh, A Medea Homecoming. Yes. Which, honestly, I've seen all the Medea movies. And I genuinely laugh at almost all of them. There are a few duds out there. But I genuinely laugh at most of the Medea movies most of the time. And this one, I'd say, has the most laughs yeah. of any Medea movie I, think it's the best Medea I movie. have ever seen. Yeah. Finally, Stop Zemlia, which yes. came out really early in 2022, before the beginning of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The film shot in like 2020, I think, and it is about um, Ukrainian u- teens. Ukrainian teen- teenagers in uh, Kiev. Yeah, and it's a it's a gentle, quiet movie about kids learning to be themselves. Yeah, and, and not knowing what the future holds, and not knowing what the future holds, and. So what makes this all the more poignant now is within weeks of its release yeah. into American art house theaters, the war began. I don't know what happened to any of those kids in that movie. I don't know what happened to the director of that movie. I, I Google her sometimes, mm-hmm. the woman who directed that movie, and I'm blanking on her name off the top of my head. I'm sorry. But I can't really find anything. And I it just... You know, I've been following the pastry chef, uh, Dinara Casco, mm-hmm. um, on Instagram. been following her since the Ottolenghi pastry documentary. Right. She's Ukrainian. And her account of the first weeks of the war uh, on Instagram was just harrowing because she had to escape with her family and leave her entire life and business, everything behind mm-hmm. and start over. 
but I don't know what happened to anybody associated with this film, and it it just it sits in my gut. Mm. Uh, but it's a beautiful it's a beautiful film. It is, and I, you know, I wish it could have the kind of life that it needs to have, and I want the filmmaker to have the kind of filmmaking life that she deserves. Uh, I'm going to run through my runners-up, which I mainly do because I heard in some circles people talking about how 2022 wasn't a good year for movies. And it's like, whenever... Every you... year is a good year for movies. You just didn't see enough of them. Thank you. Exactly. That's all whenever, there is to Whenever that. you say that, it just means you didn't see enough stuff. You didn't yeah. look hard enough beyond the obvious sort of multiplex and yes, offering. Yes, we're film critics, so obviously it's our job to seek out, to yeah. hunt down. But when I hear other critics go, say it, I'm to like, go come to on. films that that to go out and buy a ticket to a film that you didn't get to see at a press screening that nobody sent to you nobody sent you a screening link right. nobody sent you a free dvd you got to go do it yourself if that's you and you're saying that you didn't see enough good stuff then that's on you yeah so and again these are all posted with my top 10 list at the wrap um and a lot of them are ones you've already mentioned after yang after sun Aileen. How could I have forgotten Aileen? <laughs> One of the most bizarrely pleasurable films of the year. Absolutely. Uh, All the Breeze, Armageddon Time, The Automats. Um, yeah. It's it's slight, but it was very charming. Uh, I enjoyed I it. Um, can we can we re-edit? Can we Barbara Streisand edit that film to take the Starbucks CEO out of it? Uh, I wish. That'd be that'd be nice. Uh, the Banshees of Inisherin, which you have not seen yet, but you're going to, and we're going to talk about it here. Yeah. Uh, Barbarian, The Best Families, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Call Jane. Mm, yes, I did enjoy Call I liked Jane it quite a bit. Well, enjoy is the wrong word, but you know, it was. It was I admired. It was beautifully done. <laughs> Call Jane. Cane uh, Fire, Causeway, Confess Fletch, Crimes of the Future, Decision to Leave, which you haven't seen Still yet, haven't but we'll talk about it when leave. you do. Uh, Deep Water, Elvis. I had a good time at Elvis. Elvis is a lot. Yeah, and I, I had a good I, time at Elvis. Uh, Emily the Criminal. Did you see that? Haven't one? seen Emily the Criminal. Oh, yet. you really should. Uh, the Love, Fablemans. Love that Aubrey Plaza, though. Yeah, yeah. The Fablemans Fall, a movie you refuse to see because it's cannot. Yeah, I cannot. I, I cannot uh, watch that. Film. I was white knuckling it through that movie, yeah. but it was very effective at doing what it wanted. to Cannot be. watch that movie. Um, Fire Island, Framing Agnes. Haven't seen it yet, which is great. No, so we definitely need to talk about that. Did it? Did it play in theaters? Or was yeah. It, oh, it did. It okay. Theaters, I guess yeah. it. It came and went. It came much. and went in a week that I couldn't oh, get out to we'll, a theater. We'll see it. Yep. Glass Onion. I had a good time watching Glass Very Onion. Very uh, God's Country. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. That's yeah, fine. I, I think the performances <laughs> elevate it. It's fine. Um, uh, God's Country, uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which you haven't seen yet, but right. we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, happening, Hatching, that Scandinavian film about the girl and the big egg. and <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Did you not see it? No, I didn't. Oh, Dave White. This movie's up your alley. It's a, it, it's a coming-of-age metaphor monster movie. Okay. Um, did we talk about it on our own very own podcast? Was I sitting right here when we did? Uh, maybe we didn't. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Hellraiser, Hustle, In Front of Your Face, Intragalde, Jackass Forever, A Love Song. Did I not mention A Love Song? You did song? not mention A Love Song. Gorgeous. Yes. Gorgeous. Dale Dickey. Dale Dickey and um, Wes Studi, a beautifully understated but very moving film. 
um, Mad God. Yes. Which is a freak out, but like <laughs> bringing them together. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Oh. <laughs> not quite. Mrs. The, Harris goes to Paris and she gets a dress. Not quite the Paddington two and a half she that got, some critics painted it as. She gets but the still dress. quite lovely. People, she, listen. There is no one in that movie that Mrs. Harris doesn't win over. Yeah, even Isabel Huppert. Even the mean, mean Isabel Huppert. Uh, on the count of three, Gerard Carmichael's... Uh, I admire it more than I like it. enjoyed watching it okay. because it's just such a harrowing story. Well, it is. Story. Yeah. You're the one who's supposed to have a thicker skin about this stuff than me. I'm, I'm a soft uh, little baby sometimes, okay. yeah. Uh, Orphan First Kill, Pearl, The Pink Cloud, Please Baby Please, Pleasure, Pray, Resurrection. I thought you didn't like Resurrection. No, I, it, it disturbed me, but I think it was really well done. <laughs> it really, it was. It was. It's very. It's highly upsetting. A movie I'll never watch again, <laughs> but very effective. Very upsetting. Uh, Return to Soul, which you haven't seen. I haven't seen yet, but it does, that hasn't opened really officially yet. That's true. Yes, yeah. we'll get to that one. Spirited, absolutely. Stop yeah. Zemlia, Tar, 3,000 Years of Longing. Did you? I missed it. Oh, you haven't seen that one yet? Yeah, oh, goodness. missed okay. it. Triangle of Sadness, Turning Red, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, Violent Nights. You liked it more than I did, but I, I had a good time, and yeah. you know, come on. Uh, <laughs> weird. We all we all know what the, the attraction is. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> weird. The Agnostic Story, The Woman King, and um, a movie that I had as kind of a runner-up for for Resurrection or for. Um, uh, Benediction and Bros, uh, The Inspection, which you have not seen. Still haven't seen The Inspection. But we'll get caught up yeah. on that one as well. Um, all right, we're like at an hour, so why don't we do and letters got... and five-star reviews, and then we'll return next week with more that reviews of the movies. Pause it for a moment while I pull up the letters. Okay. This is from Karis. Karis. Karis? Karen. <laughs> I, could, I, I, I made her... I made her first name and last name uh, uh, into one... Uh, portmanteau. Yes. Karen. Our friend Karen. Yes. Our actual in real life friend, Karen. Indeed. Dave, thank you once again for addressing the weight issue and how it is handled in The Whale. As you know, like yourself, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and the only thing that really frustrated me about it was that I am a fat person and could feel everybody going, well, I told you so, mm. which completely dismisses the genetic aspect of diabetes and the fact that my teeny tiny mother also is on the border of being diabetic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as I've said many, many times, all fat people do not have diabetes. And uh, all people with diabetes are not fat. All people with diabetes are not fat. I have a close friend who is, has been a skinny, skinny lady her entire life. Guess what? She's got it. But we have the exact same situation going on with our weight loss. I have lost almost 50 pounds because, you know, I had to change my eating habits. And thank thankfully, most of the people I know have learned over the years not to say anything to me about it. <laughs> but I do get the occasional, oh, my goodness, you look so good. What's your secret? And I always answer, diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that answering like this will teach people that maybe it's not a good idea to constantly comment on people's weight and just leave them alone. <laughs> anyway, once again, y'all are the voice of reason. Yes. Um, in my own uh, process of reversing my uh, type 2 and lowering my A1C, 
I have, through no fault of my own, lost 50 pounds. <laughs> I'm sorry for losing 50 pounds. But I'll tell you one thing. From 320 to 270, mm-hmm. the minute someone says to me, Oh, you look so good. I've already said this on a microphone, but I'll say it again. My response is, bitch, I looked good when I was 320. That's right. I was at my maximum cuteness. Everybody just shut up about (laughs) you. Anyway, thank you, Karen. Uh, What's next? Tony. I wanted to thank you for your discussion of some of the toxic behavior that occurs around the release of the myriad top 10 lists that come out at this time of year. It reminded me of something that happened to me at work just yesterday. A colleague asked me what I thought of everything everywhere all at once. I was honest, and I said that I admired some aspects of the film, but as a whole, it just didn't work for me. After an interminable pause, the colleague said with a straight face, well, you must hate cinema. (laughs) No joke, those were their exact words. Oh, man. It seems that there's a growing trend in film fandom that if you don't like a certain film, your entire opinion about cinema is invalid. So I was glad to hear all y'all, glad to hear y'all talking so frankly about the subjectivity of art and not being afraid to like what you like. That being said, I'm curious if you've had an experience like I had with Everything Everywhere. Were you ever underwhelmed by a film that had universal acclaim? Have you ever felt like the only one that didn't like something that everyone else did? Oh, all the time. Oh, constantly, yes. And we get, you know, jerks on the internet who are like, oh, well, you like this or you didn't like that, so that must be in your bed. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And that is why I do not participate in film Twitter. Oh, is It's it? fun. You should try it. It predates Twitter, Dave. <laughs> Oh, the other thing, well, before Film Twitter came along, the other thing that I refused to ever do was, after a, a giant press screening, stand outside the theater in a circle with other well, people and discuss the film either. while they all, like, jockey for position in yeah. the way that Film Twitter people yeah. tend to do. Dr. Steve, these are three in-real-life friends yes. giving us letters this week. Dr. Steve says, the privilege of being Steven Spielberg is getting to Spielbergize your own life. (laughs) That's a feature, not a bug, and I very much enjoyed a beautiful film. I very much enjoyed a beautiful film that easily could have been any other self-indulgent coming-of-age movie. Going in, I assumed The Fablemans would be a fictionalization of Spielberg's childhood and how he became a filmmaker, but in many ways it wasn't the movie I expected. To me, this turned out to be a movie about forgiveness about accepting others for the flawed, imperfect people that they are, understanding that, quote, hurt people hurt people, and being able to forgive them. If not for them, then for yourself, so that you can move on with your own life. That is that is a good take. Yep. I don't disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I always say uh, at the end of the program... Wait, Lucas, we got some five-star reviews. That's what I was going All with. All right. I always say at the end of the program, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the air. And today we're going to do just that. M. Morris in Philly mm-hmm. says, I found Dave and Alonzo when they substitute hosted for another podcast that I listened to. 
and I was immediately charmed by their wit, their warm banter, and their insightful analysis. This is so true, (laughs) Morris. Listening to their podcast is like spending time with old friends. Through them, I've discovered many films, some foreign, some decades old, that I wouldn't have known about. And I enjoy their TV reviews, too. That would be on LKTV. I feel like I've watched La Brea, (laughs) even though I have never and never will. (laughs) Thank you, Dave, for nobly seeing it so that we don't have to. (laughs) Uh, Yet another Steve B. Uh... Algonquin kitchen table (laughs) is the subject line. What's better than a perceptive, knowledgeable, witty film critic? How about two? How about two with a decades-long personal history that lends their discussions a rare warmth? Dave White and Alonzo Duralde's disparate tastes and complementary personalities make their show a -a one-of-a-kind pleasure, apart from dependably lively, down-to-earth conversation, always about film, often about more. (laughs) Linoleum Knife is also a great resource for keeping up with the latest hits, as well as under-the-radar gems. Give a few listens, and you'll be hooked. You know, unless you're not. Or you'll run screaming, but thank you. And Stout BR says, I look forward to this podcast every week. I was introduced to them both via What the Flick, now breakfast all day. Week after week, Alonzo and Dave deliver intelligent, thoughtful film criticism. The rapport is easy and the conversations about their lives are always enjoyable. Dave has phenomenal music taste. Oh, yes. Oh, Oh, that's so true. Don't encourage him. Everything I like is good and everything I don't like is bad. In short, mm. he continues. Thank you. I, well, I say he. Maybe they. she, maybe they. I'd totally love to hang with these guys in real life, but I'll settle for my weekly fix via this podcast. Well, thank you to everybody for yes. leaving those reviews. Those were lovely. They've turned our heads. Uh, and uh, again, if you too would like to have yours read on the show, uh, leave a positive review at Apple Podcasts. You can also leave a thumbs up or stars or whatever kind of positive feedback uh, at all the other places where we stream, including uh, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, thelounge.com, CastBox, Podbean, uh, Google Play, uh, iHeartRadio, I just discovered. We're there as well. Are we really? Yeah. Mm. Uh, Spotify. So, you know. The, Are do, they going to pay us? Uh, that's not how it works. No. Um, but anyway, it's, it, 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 yeah, so, so. I like getting paid. Yeah, sure. Like us there. Uh, check out, uh, the wonderful work of, uh, Blue, who composed our, our lovely theme song. He's at blue, B-L-E-U dot bandcamp dot com. You can follow us on social media at Linoleum Cast and drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. And again, all of our Patreon subscriber shows are, for, for the month of January 2023, are being posted for free on Patreon at patreon.com slash linoleum knife. Enjoy the samples. If you want more, become a subscriber. I think you'll be happy that you did. Uh, we'll be back with more reviews next week. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>